0: Welcome to SMU Financial Literacy's podcast, Pony Finance 101, where we break down complicated money matters for you. My name is Elizabeth Guevara. I'm a senior and I work as a peer mentor for SMU Financial Literacy. I talked to economics professor Jeff Carbiner about finding the right bank for you and how to take advantage of them. We also discussed the basics of checking and savings account. Starting off really basic, what's the purpose of a bank and why are they used?
1: Well, a bank serves a number of functions, but the main one is it acts as this conduit or this intermediary between two groups, the the savers and the borrowers. Imagine that there are a number of people out there, entities, who have money. Let's say you have $10,000 and you don't want to just keep it at home. You have no intention of spending it anytime soon. So you'd like to lend it out to someone. You earn some interest, but then you start to think, well, well, how am I going to do that? So, how am I going to go about finding those people? I'm going to put an ad somewhere. Or am I just going to? How do I um, meet up with those those other people who are borrowers? And there are a number of costs involved. We call transactions costs of having to go through the process. Okay, so I've. I've found out there's 100 people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area who want to borrow $10,000 from me. So now, you know, how do I go about um, making sure that they're able to pay me back because I want to get paid back plus interest and going through that whole process and how do I know if, if they're good for it, if they're good credit risk. And so in addition to the cost involved, your time of having to figure out um, you know, who am I going to lend it to, then there's this additional cost because they have more information. We call it asymmetric information. That They have more information about what they're going to do with the money than you do. I mean, they tell you they're going to use it to start a new business, but maybe they're not. And on the other end, other side of the borrowers. They say, okay, I need $10,000 for my business or, or whatever the case might be. Where am I going to get the money from? Okay, Do I put an ad seeking $10,000? And then I've got to go through the same process of finding out a match. And invariably, both parties will... Say it's not worth it, and that's what we call direct finance. We direct lend directly. The banks are an example of indirect finance. So you have that ten thousand dollars. I don't want to go through the headache of of um, you know, seeking out that that person or the person who's best uh, fitted for my you know, to, to to lend or to borrow my money. Um, so I I'll just keep it, and then you know now I'm not earning any interest. Plus you know fire burns my house down, I lose my money. So I'll, I'll give it to the bank. So I'll open up an account with the bank. The bank has the ability to do all of that stuff. They can bear those transactions costs. They can figure out who's a good, goods, you know, fit for your money. They credit ratings and all of that. So they're capable of taking on the costs that the individual can't. Without banks, there'd be very little transactions occurring, very little borrowing and, and, and lending going on, because people would simply say, it's just, it's not worth it.
0: So, how would someone find the best bank for them?
1: Well, it, it depends on their really on their needs. Um, you know, what are your priorities? What are your financial needs? If, for instance, you just need a bank in order to cover your expenses, your bills, um, then I would look for a bank that um, has low fees and maybe has a large network of ATMs because. If you've ever gone out of town, for instance, you spend half your time driving around looking for a, for your bank. You know, I know we, there are plenty of them in Dallas, but then you go somewhere out of town, and you so where, where's the nearest Chase or where's the nearest Wells Fargo? I can't find it. So if that's your concern, then you might want to find a bank that has a lot of ATMs, or perhaps is easily accessible. If, on the other hand, your uh, financial goals are to begin to invest or save for the future, then you want to look for a bank that pays high interest rates. And in that regard, you may want to turn your attention to online banking, as opposed to the, like, Ally, which, you know, instead of the banks that have brick and mortar, well, they don't have that, so they have fewer costs, so they can tend to offer a higher return on their on their savings. Um, you'd also don't want to uh, limit yourself just to banks a credit union is an option um it used to be that credit unions were very restrictive you had to be a teacher you belong to the teacher's credit or whatever um, a credit union is is something that's owned by the members instead of privately owned so they tend to offer lower fees and higher interest rates and then pass those profits on to the members so if you can and they've been um, expanding their, their eligibility, if you will. So it's, it's a lot easier to get into one of those than, than a traditional bank. Um, as far as uh, which bank to choose, because in the reality is they're all very competitive. They all offer checking accounts, savings accounts, other investment opportunities. So, you know, as silly as it sounds, maybe word of mouth. You know, maybe We can go on Yelp and find a rating for a restaurant or anything else, Banks, too. I don't what what people's um, their experiences are with those.
0: All right, so can you help explain to me what a checking versus a savings account is?
1: Yeah, a, a checking account would be one that you use for your daily transactions. That If you're interested in and having money to pay your rent or to uh, go to the grocery store and make those transactions like that, um, then you'd be interested in a check account that, that as opposed to having to carry cash around all the time, because checks are, are acceptable everywhere, just about. And you know, in today's world, people actually use fewer checks. You don't you go to the grocery store; you don't see people in line actually writing checks. But the debit card has been has been a substitute for that. But it works the same way. Your debit card is tied to a check, so it works much like a check. So you you, you slide your your debit card, and it's the equivalent of writing a check for your groceries or your gas or, or whatever the case might be. So, if you're interested in simply maintaining an account to make sure your transactions are, you know, are, are you're able to pay those things and, and not running into trouble, then that's, that's what you'd be interested in. If, on the other hand, you know, if you're interested in, in beginning savings and you know, beginning starting to invest, then, um, you know, a, a savings account, you'd want to look for, um, you know, banks that pay higher interest, maybe have few fees or low fees. Um, that, that don't limit the number of withdrawals. Same thing with going back to the checking account. Make sure that, that the bank that issues that checking account for you doesn't limit the number of checks you can write because there may be a situation where you might need to write a number of checks and without having to pay a fee because um, you know you, you've written too many or that has a certain high minimum balance.
0: Okay, so let's talk about savings account for a bit. When would you say someone should start their savings account?
1: The reality is, I would suggest someone start as early as one can, because the earlier you start a savings account, the the earlier you can take advantage of the compounding of interest. For instance, if you were to, at the age of 20, uh, put $10,000 in a savings account, that let's say earn 5%, at the age of 50, you would have a little over $43,200. But if you waited 10 years, and until you were 30, and then deposited that same 10,000, earning that 5%, at age 50, you'd only have $26,500. So investing early, you're taking advantage of the, the interest that compounds on the earned interest, and it really expands the amount of money you have, particularly further in the future. Now, Obviously, not everybody can you know, invest at an early age, but to those who are able to, I would, I would say don't delay.
0: So how would someone go about starting savings
1: account. Well it's really quite easy. You could you go into the branch and simply check to see if there's a minimum deposit that must be met. And uh, beyond that, like check account, it's it's little more than filling out an application, signing the paperwork and then um, you know having that having that money that they'll start earning interest for you. If it's an online bank, then you'd have to do all that stuff online because they may not have the, the brick and mortar store to, to go into, but it's still the same way. You would simply um, move money from your one account uh, to another and um, and then it pretty much that that's all there is to it.
0: You mentioned some about the brick-and-mortar stores versus the brick-and-mortar banks versus the online banks <laughs> for savings so what would you say are the main differences between the two?
1: Well obviously the the online uh, bank you, you can't just walk in and talk to somebody or, or make a deposit everything has to be done online. But online banks tend to pay a higher return, higher interest rate, because they don't have those maintenance costs of building and maintaining brick and mortar um, banks all around the metroplex or all around the area. So one of the advantages of it is that traditionally online banks will tend to offer a higher return on those savings instruments, whether it's a simple savings account or a a certificate of deposit, a CD, which is another option for, for those who want to save. It just depends. In the case of a CD, um, it's 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 called a time deposit because you, you lock in for a certain time period. Savings account, you open up on a Wednesday and you can start withdrawing money on a Saturday. But if you go into the bank and, and purchase a 12 month or 18 month CD or longer, you're locked into that time period. Now you're having to forego use of your money so they give you a higher interest rate. So if you're a student who's thinking about uh, a cho- choice between a savings deposit and a CD, ask yourself, am I gonna need the money in the next year or 18 months? If the answer is no, then opt for the CD because it'll pay you a higher interest rate.
0: So how do you create a checking account?
1: Yeah, it's much the same way. You'd go into the bank, you'd do that application. Again, in your choice of of where to go, you've got a lot of choices out there because banking is very, you know, there are a lot of banks out there and they all offer the the same basic features. but one thing you might want to look at is: do they require a minimum balance? You know, and, and if that minimum balance is tough to meet, maybe I should go somewhere else. When I want to have trouble keeping that a, a certain amount of money in. Uh, the fees are associated with as well. Um, are there fees associated with um, if that balance does go below a certain amount, or, it, or does it limit the number of checks I can write in a given time period? Uh, those are things to consider as well. But you know, once you you know, fill out the application, sign the paperwork, you're handed a, a, a checkbook with, you know, temporary checks or, or a debit card and, and and you're off. I mean it's it's really quite simple. Awesome. Well,
0: thank you so much for joining oh, me today.
1: You're welcome. <laughs>
0: Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. As always, SMU Financial Literacy is here to help you. Email us at financialliteracy at smu.edu with any questions and follow our Instagram at SMU Financial Literacy. Pony up! This podcast is a resource for students in regard to personal financial management including budgeting and saving techniques, incurring and managing debt, and in general, dealing with their personal resources. The presenter of this podcast and those leading the interviews are not certified financial planners, licensed as financial advisors, or experts in the field of financial aid. However, guests interviewed may include professors, financial advisors, or others with expertise in the area, which are covered by the podcast. Each individual that listens to this podcast should consider that the information presented is not financial or investment advice, is general in nature, and is not specific to the facts of any individual.